Good evening, it is 5 p.m. and you're tuned in to Today in YGK on CFRC 11.9 FM. Brought to you by CFRC's News Collective, Christina Laurie, Dinah Jansen, Chancellor Miracle, Jesse Bell, and Lauren Tucker. Today in YGK is also brought to you through the support of the local journalism initiative, Queens University, and What Will I Wear at 732 Princess Street. I'm Christina Laurie and here are your local news headlines. The Greater Kingston Chamber of Commerce has released their second quarterly City Council report card. In this edition of the report card, Council took a dip from Q1's green or positive ranking, dropping to yellow, which indicates potential business concerns. The report card provides a summary and ranking of each business-related decision made by Council throughout the quarter, this most recent document covering May, June, and July. While Council motions do not tell the full story, they provide a summary of business-related motions in the quarter and their potential outcomes for local businesses. I sat down with Karen Cross, CEO of the Greater Kingston Chamber of Commerce, to discuss some of the key concerns identified in this edition of the report card. There was a dip from green in the first quarter to yellow this quarter. To start us off, what are some of the key decisions that led to this decline? Still, we had six motions that were in the positive, and then there were six in the negative or the red. So it kind of brought it down just slightly, but not not in a large way. And I think a lot of it came from where we were asking asking for our counselors to not to add unnecessary costs and delays to the process around development. So I think that's really where we kind of slid a little bit into the yellow this time, but overall I think it was still a good report for our counselors. The main concern detailed in the concluding section of the report was developmental approval delays. What happens when we have delays with our development in our building is it delays shovels into grounds and people into into new homes or new condos or new rental spaces if we have those delays, which then impacts our businesses who can't get their employee, can't get new employees, or can't or their employees can't get um, places to live, they can't expand their businesses because they can't bring in more people because there's no place to, to house them. So all those delays from that perspective, from the, the end user, and then for the actual developer and builder, the costs um, of them not being able to go to construction are costs and delays. So every time there's a delay, there's cost delays to them um, in that building, which then will translate out uh, to, to higher costs at the, for the end user because it has to be paid for somewhere. Cross also discussed the one decision marked in red for this quarter, the council's vote in favor of a motion to rebuke the provincial government regarding the strong mayor powers granted to Kingston's mayor, as well as 25 other Ontario mayors effective July 1st. In the report, it was stated, quote, the motion by council and resulting letter to the province will have no effect other than to further strain relationships with the province and use up staff and council time that could be spent on municipal priorities, end quote. This is an interesting one because I know I've been asked this question before. Why why were you opposed to the strong mayor's vote and why they were in favor of this letter? And and again, all we're trying to say here is that the mayor that the strong mayor's powers were were given to two mayors through the provincial government. The municipal government, municipal governments can't overturn that ruling. So our concern was simply that um, using up city staffers' time and council's time could be better spent on on municipal issues on something that they have control over. And this was not an area that they had control over. It was it was something a symbolic motion, I believe, on their part to, to state that they didn't they weren't in favor of this, but it really didn't affect any change. 
mosquitoes carrying West Nile virus found in KFLNA. Recent surveillance efforts conducted by KFLNA Public Health have found the presence of mosquitoes carrying the West Nile virus in the Kingston, Frontenacs, and Lennox and Addington area. Additionally, Public Health Ontario confirmed that a crow from the KFLNA region tested positive for the West Nile virus. These findings come as a result of ongoing mosquito collection and testing initiatives carried out by KFLNA Public Health and with the support of the Public and Canadian Wildlife Health Cooperative to submit and test deceased wildlife in our region. West Nile virus is transmitted to humans and animals through bites of infected mosquitoes. While most individuals who get West Nile virus exhibit no symptoms, about one in five infected persons may develop mild signs, including fever, headache, body aches, joint pains, vomiting, or rash. Most people who come into contact with West Nile virus recover fully from these symptoms. However, less than 1% of those affected may experience more severe symptoms and health effects. Individuals over 50 years of age and those with underlying medical conditions or weakened immune systems are at a heightened risk of severe conditions. The last reported human case in the KFLNA region occurred in 2018. The importance of taking preventative steps now that we've found mosquitoes with the West Nile virus in our KFLNA area is key, says Sarah Riding, Manager of Environmental Health at KFLNA Public Health. Simple things like avoiding being outdoors during dawn and dusk, when those pesky mosquitoes are buzzing around the most, wearing clothes to cover up, using bug spray, and making sure there's no standing water around. These are all big parts of keeping the virus from spreading. While there is no specific treatment or cure, prevention is key to avoid infection. That's all for your headlines this week, and next up is Lauren Tucker with your Arts Desk. Thanks so much, Christina. Here's your Arts and Culture news for the week. The Union Gallery has an open call for Queen's University student artists through to October 16th for presentation in the Union Gallery main space in the winter of 2024. If you're a Queen's student with an arts piece you'd like to submit for consideration for display at the Union Gallery, you can get in touch with them at ugallery.director at queensu.ca with a statement of interest and examples of your creative works. More information about the call and how to submit is available at uniongallery.queensu.ca. Also at the Union Gallery, two new exhibitions will be premiering on August 29th and running until November 25th. In the main space, you'll be able to visit At the Buffet by Maddie Lachek and Raquel Rowe. This duo places an emphasis when collaborating on food, fun, and experimentation. With a shared interest of food as a medium within performance art, the two experiment frequently with taste, touch, and texture. This all-you-can-eat exhibition highlights key moments in their collaborative journey thus far and focuses on the materiality of food by emphasizing color and form. And in the project room, Wane Kina, Should I Tell or Not, is curated by Mevish Rather and will feature work from Kashmiri artists exploring alternative and experimental forms of filmmaking that use low-resolution technology that promotes sustainability. For more on these upcoming exhibitions, visit uniongallery.queensu.ca. The Bell Park Project has released news of their latest project, Unearthed. This new exhibition will be a walk in the park with a twist, a week-long series of artistic installations, conversations, and experiments that seek to reveal and reimagine some of the stories of Bell Park. It will be running from August 26th to 30th, and artists will be activating spaces in the park on various days throughout the week through music, geocaching activities, and temporary art installations. As well, an exhibition in the Art and Media Lab in the Isabel Bader Center will be running concurrently. Together, the art in the gallery and in the park seeks to suggest ways of engaging with a rich space with an uncertain future. For more about this event and the team at the Bell Park Project, you can visit bellparkproject.com. 
Applications to the Isabelle's 2023-2024 Imagine Arts Incubator program are still open now with a deadline of August 31st. This artist residency supports creation-based filming, recording, or streaming initiatives for original works. It seeks socially engaged art projects tackling the issues of our time. To learn more and apply for this program, you can find it all at queensu.ca slash theisabelle. Coming up at Modern Fuel this week, located on the top floor of the TED Center for Creativity and Learning, on August 30th, you can stop by the Long Days Artist Residency Closing Reception from 7 to 9 p.m. to hear from the artists and residents about their experience at Modern Fuel and what they've created over the course of the month. The very next day on August 31st, you can RSVP to The Local Muse, an open stage for curious minds and creative oddballs. If you're looking for an audience to test out your new music, poetry, drag lip syncs, performance art, dance, and more, this may be the event for you. You can sign up for a five-minute slot upon arrival, open mic style, and refreshments and sound equipment will be available. To learn more about Modern Fuel, the Long Days Artist Residency Closing Reception, or this local muse event, visit modernfuel.org. The Kingston School of Art has released a call to visual artists from the city of Kingston, Loyalist Township, Wolf Island, Frontenac Islands, as well as the Frontenac, Leeds, Grenville, and Hastings counties for their sixth annual juried art exhibition and sale. This show will include up to 65 artworks determined from submissions by a selection committee of professional artists, and over $1,500 in prizes will be awarded on October 7th's opening exhibition. This call closes on September 10th, so be sure to check it out at ksoa.info. Minotaur Games and Gifts has opened a call to artists for another Minotaur group art show, this time with the theme Mutation. Artists are permitted to sell prints as well as their work with some sizing restrictions, and the Minotaur staff is happy to provide guidance on selling prints if you have not before. The deadline for submissions is September 21st, and some terms and conditions of acceptance do apply, so visit minotaurgifts.com for more information. That's all I've got for you on Arts Desk for today. Now I'll turn it over to Jesse Bell with sports. Good evening. This is Jesse Bell from the CFRC Sports Desk, and this is your sports report for Monday, August 28, 2023. The Queens Gales began their 2023 season at Richardson Stadium, hosting perennial Yates Cup contenders, the Wilfrid Laurier Golden Hawks, on Saturday, August 26th. The Golden Hawks dominated time of possession in the first quarter, relegating the Queens offense to four total plays, while Laurier was able to put up only four total points. It was a 4-0 lead at the end of the first quarter, but the Gales came roaring back with a touchdown pass from Alex Vreekin to number 16, Nathan Falcone, who made a tremendous high point adjusting catch to give the Gales their first points of the season. Queens would add a field goal before the end of the half to take a 10-4 lead. The Queens defense prevented Laurier from scoring any touchdowns, but the prolific Laurier offense was able to drive the field and generate two field goals and, crucially, two single-point rouges. Late into the fourth quarter, the Golden Hawks led the Gales by a score of 11-10. With time running out and the team's back against the wall, quarterback Alex Vreken orchestrated an excellent drive starting from their own 20-yard line. This drive was comprised of passes and a couple handoffs to get Queens into Laurier territory. The highlight of the drive was a daring and unexpected quarterback draw play with less than 25 seconds on the clock that allowed Alex Vreken to pick up a first down and get the Gales into field goal range. 
Unfortunately, the last-minute attempt by kicker Tyler Mullen came up short as Queens fell to the Golden Hawks at home by a score of 11-10. The next Gales game on CFRC will be Saturday, September 9th, 2.45 pregame show, 3 p.m. kickoff. This concludes your sports report for Monday, August 28th. This is Jesse Bell signing off. This is Christina Laurie coming in with your campus news for this week. The City of Kingston and Kingston Police remind students to stay safe during move-in and orientation week. The City of Kingston and Kingston Police would like to welcome new and returning post-secondary students to the community while reminding everyone to stay safe during move-in and orientation activities. It's an exciting time of year in Kingston as post-secondary students return to the community, says Acting Chief of Kingston Police, Scott Fraser. We'd like to encourage everyone to act responsibly when participating in back-to-school events and to be aware of the risks associated with large unsanctioned gatherings. The University District Safety Initiative, UDSI, will be in effect from Monday, August 28th at 12 a.m. until Sunday, September 10th at 11.59 p.m. The purpose of the UDSI is to educate community members and to mitigate the risks of large unsanctioned gatherings, including strains on emergency services, dangerous behaviors, and traffic disruptions. During this time, community partners, including city enforcement staff and Kingston Police, will have an increased presence in the University District. Bylaw officers can also issue administrative monetary penalties for nuisance party and noise bylaw infractions. The safety and well-being of the entire community remains our top priority. Launching the University District Safety Initiative has given us the opportunity to collaborate with community partners, students, and property owners to ensure that everyone understands their role in keeping our community safe, says Kyle Campo, licensing and enforcement manager at the City of Kingston. He goes on to state, we're looking forward to working together so that everyone can enjoy these final summer weeks responsibly. Bylaw enforcement and Kingston Police have distributed educational materials to residents of the University District. You can learn more by visiting the UDSI webpage on the City of Kingston website. For Queen's students, as of the 31st of August, the summer term ends and gives way to the fall term starting on September 1st this Friday. This also means this Friday, September 1st, this also means this Friday, September 1st, tuition fees are due in full for fall term classes, with the exception of OSAP students. September 2nd is Residence Move-In Day and the welcoming ceremony for new students. September 4th is Labor Day, meaning no classes. And September 5th, fall term classes begin. That's all for your campus news this week, and next up we have weather and traffic. This is your CFRC weather report for Monday the 28th of August. Tonight you can expect partly cloudy conditions becoming clear this evening, fog patches developing after midnight with a low of 11. On Tuesday, August 29th, we can expect cloudy conditions clearing in the afternoon, with fog patches dissipating in the morning. There will be a high of 24 and a low of 17, a humidex of 31, and a UV index of 6 or high. It will be cloudy with a 40% chance of showers overnight. For Wednesday, August 30th, you can expect a mix of sun and cloud with a 60% chance of showers, high of 22, clear, low of 8. And now into CFRC's weekly traffic report. Public Services and Procurement Canada wishes to advise motorists of an alternating lane closure on LaSalle Causeway for repair work during the following periods, Monday, August 28th to Friday, September 1st from 9.30am to 3pm and 6pm to 11pm, and Tuesday, September 5th to Friday, September 8th from 9.30am to 3pm and 6pm to 11pm. During these periods, one lane will be closed and one lane will remain open for alternating traffic. Two flag persons will be on site to direct traffic. Motorists should expect short delays. 
Road closures include Curtis Crescent at Portsmouth, closed August 9th to September 9th from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. each day. Division Street, Earl de Clergy, closed September 2nd from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. for the Queen's University move-in. Lower Brewer's Swing Bridge is closed until further notice. Parks Canada is continuing its efforts to replace the bridge over the winter. John Counter Boulevard, Division de Leroy Grant is closed from August 29th to 31st from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. each day to support utilities Kingston pavement restoration work. Queen Street westbound, King Street east to Ontario, is closed August 28th to September 8th from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. each day for Utilities Kingston contractor to install hydro ducts and manholes. Market Street from Ontario to King is closed August 25th at 7 a.m. to August 26th at 11.59 p.m. for the Limestone City Blues Festival. Notch Hill Road, Queen Mary to Renamade is closed until September 22nd at 5.30 p.m. Queen Mary Road, Bath to Notch Hill is closed until September 22nd at 5.30 p.m. Sydenham Street, Queen to Princess is closed September 5th for Downtown Kingston Active University Avenue, Union to Earl, is closed until December 22nd for the removal of debris from demolition and concrete deliveries at the Queen's J-Duck Project. Bright Crescent South Intersection of Palace to 16 Palace is closed until October 31st for construction. Queen's University Move-In Please be advised that Queen's University Move-In will be taking place Saturday, September 2nd, which will cause some irregular disruption and closures. That's all for your traffic. That's all for your CFRC traffic report this week. And next up is our events calendar. Thanks so much. Here's some of your community events and live music for the week. This and every Tuesday at the RCHA Club, you can stop by for Tunes Day Happy Hour Jam with Tom Savage. There's no cover to this show and you never know who might stop by. The music kicks off at 4 p.m. and runs until 7 p.m., so stop by to make the weekday feel like a weekend. Every Wednesday at Minotaur Games and Gifts, it's Drop-In Craft Night. This week, August 30th, it's Knit and Crochet Night, and it's open to anyone who wants to learn, bring their own project, or meet new friends. This is a drop-in event from 5 to 9 p.m., and you can learn more at minotaurgifts.com. On August 30th at the Spearhead Brewery, $5 Dates will be playing a free show of live covers from acts like Blue Rodeo, Neil Young, Mumford & Sons, and more. This is an all-ages show, so for a weeknight of live music, stop by to Spearhead starting at 7 p.m. Also in live music on August 31st, Tiny Horse will be playing the Courtyard Concert Series at the Bank Gastrobar Courtyard Patio. This local alt-folk group is full of energy and songwriting prowess, so be sure to check out this free 6 p.m. show. For more on these shows, visit kingstonlive.ca. Head down to Market Square this coming Thursday evening, August 31st, for a screening of the family animated comedy, Minions, Rise of Gru. Bring your blankets, chairs, and bug spray for a movie night under the stars. The movie starts at dusk and admission is free. You can visit downtownkingston.ca for more information. And on Saturday, September 2nd, Toronto musician and composer Tired Kid, aka Thomas Kelly, will be playing a free all-ages show at Hotel Wolf Island from 5 to 7 p.m. Thomas tries to create music with vintage warmth and psychedelic nature. For more information on this gig, you can check out the listing on kingstonlive.ca or visit hotelwolfisland.com. And last but certainly not least, don't forget that every Sunday you can stop by Market Square for the Cataraqui Indigenous Art and Food Market, featuring a variety of vendors, each with their own unique touch. For handcrafted items, visual art, clothing, jewelry, home decor, and traditional Indigenous dishes from Cadu's First Foods, you can stop by Sundays from 10 to 3 p.m. through to September 24th. That's all I've got for you this week. Now I'll turn it over to Chance with your CFRC invitation. Thank you. 
Thank you for tuning in to CFRC's local news programming. To revisit episodes of Today in YGK and hear more from some of our guests, be sure to head to our podcast network at podcast.cfrc.ca. Today in YGK is brought to you by the generous support of the Community Radio Fund of Canada, the Local Journalism Initiative, Queen's University Career Services, and What'll I Wear at 732 Princess Street. Be sure to stay tuned for more CFRC programming coming up next. What'll I Wear offers the best in vintage, funky, one-of-a-kind treasures, clothing, accessories, and a fabulous selection of jewels, vintage and new. Find the cutest purse, the most dashing of hats and sunglasses, everything to complete your individual look. What'll I Wear has it all. They can dress you from top to bottom. Find your new fashion fave at What'll I Wear at 732 Princess Street in Kingston. Visit their new location and follow them on Facebook to keep up to date with what's in store at What'll I Wear. Dear listeners, as you may have heard, Meta, which owns Instagram and Facebook, is blocking Canadian access to all content created by news providers, including this radio station, in response to the Online Broadcasting Act. Access to local news and information matters to everyone, and while radio stations use their airwaves to keep you informed, we also use social media to share local news, events, and initiatives, and even content about our upcoming programming. We need you to write your MP and convey your concerns. Learn more and find a letter template for your MP on our website, cfrc.ca. Thank you for your support. 